Hey folks, thanks for checking out the Wait What If podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Sullivan. I was about to put this episode up and I realized I did not record an intro. And I had some announcements, so why not? Let's just get it all done here on a Sunday morning. If you hear screaming and yelling in the background, it's because the Sullivan household is chaos anytime before 11 a.m. on a Sunday. And it is, in fact, before 11 a.m. on a Sunday. So I apologize for that. Very professional. But this is how we roll. This is how independent podcasts roll. Eric Weston, West, oh, man, I, I didn't write your name down, Eric, but I know who you are and I have your email address because you are in fact the winner of Mark Sisson's um, 21 day keto reset. If you visit the website, you'll see every now and then I give away a book if you enter your email address. And this winner is Eric, some really long German looking last name. Uh, I'll email it to you, buddy. Uh, I'm sorry that I didn't write down your name so I could at least butcher it over the air. Um, but yes, just look out for my email and I'm going to give you a link to a free copy of that book. Today's episode is with Cherie Ray. If you're familiar with A&E's uh, TV show 60 Days In, Cherie was a corrections officer who went undercover in a county jail for 60 days. Really, really interesting story. Um, we had an interesting discussion. We talk a lot about, you know, uh, being locked up, her experiences as both a corrections officer and an inmate. And if you're interested in this topic, uh, a few episodes ago, I did one with Zach Baker. He was also a, a participant in that experiment. Really cool story, um, fun episode to record. As always, check out waitwhatif.com for, well, book giveaways for one, um, updates, bios, all that stuff I put on there. Thanks for checking out the show. I hope you enjoy it. And without further ado, Cherie Ray. Listening to the Wait What If podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My wife was into watching this TV show on AE called 60 Days In, and the the concept when I first saw it, I was like, there's no freaking way that that's what they're doing i thought like i was like it's got to be fake there's no way so the concept <laughs> is that they take civilians and a lot of them have some sort of law enforcement background or somewhere in that that realm but it, i guess it doesn't matter and they put them into county jail um two two different county jails versus the uh, over the four seasons and as like undercover reality show type of thing and it's that's insane. When I heard that, I was like, how do they, how do they even get away with that? <laughs> like, how would they, it seems like it would be like, oh, we're going to send a bunch of people to Syria and see how long they live. And we're going to put it on. Like, it was that, that extreme to me. So when I heard that, uh, I, I immediately, cause my brain, my creative brain was like, I got to talk to one of these people. So I contacted Zach from season one, I believe, um, I'm, his name, his last name is escaping me right now. But do you know Baker. Who, Baker, yeah, yeah. So I contacted Zach, nice guy. Um, we started chatting. He told me about the whole the whole process. And then um, what I like to do is just get someone else's get someone else's idea. So uh, my wife said you should contact Sherry because she watched or Sherry because uh, <laughs> she watched the the second season. And I was like, all right, I'll reach out. And sure enough, um, uh, you got back to me. So so let's start with. 
actually, I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know where to start with this story because with Zach, he was law enforcement, he was a Marine, he was looking for that, that challenge. And the challenge sort of just, just kind of came up to him. Like he, it, it just kind of happened with you. Tell me how, how this whole story started. (laughs) Well, that's so funny because a lot of people don't know this story because I don't really, I don't think I've ever told anybody, but I wasn't, I had nothing to do with the show. They actually reached out to my husband who was a police officer at the time and uh, he uh, was a city officer and they had recorded a lockup show um, at the, at the jail and um, they reached out to him and started talking with him and he started talking with producers and they actually were getting ready to cast them. So they had sent out a film crew to kind of come to the house and meet the family and all this stuff. And when they were doing that, they're like, can we Skype real quick and just meet the family and kind of go over what we're going to be doing there? And so they were meeting, talking to the kids. And I was cooking dinner. I'm like, he's crazy. I don't even know what he's talking about. What is this? You know, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> typical wife, you know, I, I'm listening, but not. And uh, I go in there and they're like, these people were like looking at me through this television, like not television, but uh computer laptop screen they were skyping and they're like hi can we talk to you blah 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 and they're like so tell us about you and once they found out that i was you know a corrections officer you know and that i've been doing it for a decade they're like whoa let's talk they're like you're kind of crazy yeah (laughs) and i'm like and i'm like yeah i said i miss it you know i i loved my job but you know when dustin got deployed my husband and um our little our youngest were two and three at the time and they were like, you can't continue working because you don't have a family plan if something happens or you're stuck and I didn't have daycare. So I was like, okay. So I took time off and then, you know, I was going to go back and then got pregnant with the bonus baby. <laughs> and so, you know, I never had a chance to go back. And then once things settled down, I was like, okay. And uh, this kind of just fell in, like literally the same thing. It fell into my lap. They're like, so would you want to go? I was like, hell no. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, I've worked in a prison for 10 years. Why would I go into it? No. Yeah, it's Mm-mm. terrifying. The idea is terrifying to me. It, it, it's terrifying. I still think it's terrifying. And it's funny because people are like, why did you seem so scared when you did the show? You seem so scared. I'm like, because I worked in a prison. I know what the environment is. And the last thing I want to do is be, you know, recognize or realize oh she's actually an officer you know that's not a good look that's not where you want to be undercover (laughs) let me ask um so when i was in pa school i did a rotation over in butner which is the federal prison here in uh north carolina yes and and i I trained there oh okay i i didn't like it i didn't like the feeling i did it for six weeks every day i had to go through the detectors and get my you know take my belt off, do all that stuff just to get inside in each room. I was locked in and I I just didn't like it. I did not enjoy that feeling at all. All six weeks, every day, every hour, I just wanted it to be over. But what I noticed was the high amount of women who worked in the prison or actually, now that I think about it, all the women that that precepted me, there was a bunch of PAs, were all women. Is Is there a large proportion of women that tend to go into this and why? Um, actually there is. And I think what it is, is because corrections is, to me, it's adult daycare. I know this sounds really funny, but it really is. And women excel in it because it's kind of the basis of, you know, when you're at home, you're like, put that down. Don't stand too close. What's in your mouth? Nope. Nope. And you're kind of like, you have this motherly instinct and it's one of the professions that you're in law enforcement and 
at the same time, you're kind of still getting to mentor and be a little bit more motherly. And I think it just appeals to women. And I think that women's, you know, unfortunately, I think we actually kind of excel at it because we can calm. We have the ability to calm a little bit differently because men, when things get hostile, they, they kind of up the, you know, testosterone and they're like, calm down, which the inmates turn around and get more hostile because it's like a defense mechanism where you send in women officers. We're like, stop it. And it just becomes like, okay. It's so, (laughs) it's so true. And, and I don't know why, like in today's atmosphere or day and age, people get upset when you say that there's things that women do better than men and things that men do better than women. But there is, when you look at it, we're, we're animals and we've had 200,000 years as humans to, to, you know, become who we are and keep ourselves alive. And women, I see the way my wife is with my kids. It's a completely different dynamic than when I'm with my kids. I'm very task oriented. And if I'm with my kids, we are focused on the task. My wife yes. has this, and I tell you, it's it's got to be some sort of like um, predatory, uh, I guess that would be the word, predatory defense mechanism. Like she can be on the kids and also have a conversation and be doing something else at the same time. And that's, that's something that just, you're just born with it. You're either born with it or you're not. Um, it's crazy. Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a mm-hmm. um, uh, psychologist. He, he got all over the news because he had said something up in Canada where their laws are a little more strict, um, or I would say draconian where he said, Oh, the reason why you see, um, more women in things like healthcare and not in STEM is because women are just naturally more more nurturing and people freaked out. People freaked out, called him sexist, he's completely wrong and and he's not because when you look at the data, women tend to go into roles that are more nurturing, more um, caring and men go into more roles with things, you know, and you can see it. I have a boy and a girl. My son loves things. He likes, you know, trucks and cars my daughter plays with them but she all we never pushed anything onto my kids we let them play whatever they want and my daughter has dolls and she she identifies and is more drawn towards softer objects that that she can nurture and my son is more into you know smashing things and and figuring out how things work it's just it's just how they're wired Law enforcement, the field in general, is it's male dominated. It always has been, and especially in corrections, I have always said this, and it's true. And I, I it, it sounds sexist, but when there's an assistance call, which means that there's like a fight or something, and say there's you know a big brawl going on, mm-hmm. honestly, I feel better when the big, larger male officers come to back me up. I feel safe. I feel like the presence alone of male dominance you know it's 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 a kind of a show of force versus you know if you know two five foot five women come in and be like what's going on you know and it's not that we can't handle the situation that but it's just it's there's certain things that just seem to work and you know as far as you know how to handle certain situations it's just the way it is yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with it now now if you have someone like ronda rousey uh, what I like to call outliers, right? I mean, I would be completely fine with <laughs> her being my bodyguard. That'd be absolutely fine. She could put an arm bar on anyone. I've seen female inmates take down male officers 10 times their size. Sure. And they're all like afraid. And you're like, ooh, this is the tiny ones. They can scrap. Oh, yeah. my. Um, <laughs> so so you, what we're getting at is you, you, you 
went into, I guess, would you call, do you call corrections officer being uh, law enforcement or is it law yeah. enforcement? Okay. So you became a cor- yeah. corrections officer. What was the, what drove you there? Was it like, oh, <laughs> I decided that this is something I want to do or did you, what was no. it? No, I had never in a million years, this was nothing in, in my field of sight. I was an x-ray tech and oh, okay. um, I got married and um, my husband was getting ready to go into the police academy when we first got married and he was always in the army and reserves and he was, you know, he became a police officer and I was working an intern at the emergency room and they had brought in an inmate and it was so fascinating to me and I was like, it's really cool. I was telling him all about it. And he's like, you know, there's a show about like jail or something. And I, so I started watching the show jail and I, um, I got pregnant with my second child. I'm like, I want to do this. And he started laughing. He's like, are you serious? He's like, you would cry. And I'm <sighs> like, oh, well then that's a challenge. And yeah. so I was like, you know what? I went online and I saw that they were hiring, um, in Raleigh for the central prison. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. So I applied and they called me back and I was like, oh, wow. And then it just kind of happened. And I always tell everybody the funniest thing is, is I literally, my first day walking in, I remember seeing my sergeant and I was like, Hey, where does the intake, like, where's the drunk people come in and where, you know, when they're coming off drugs and they're like, honey, this is prison. This isn't jail. And I'm like, what's the difference? I didn't even know. They're like, oh, more girl. And I was like, oh. So once I figured out, I was like, "Uh uh-oh. So they didn't cover this and like, you guys have almost like a a boot camp or something, right? Where you learn all the, the ropes? That's what everybody thinks. And that's what I assumed. But no, and every department, it basically, you get hired on. Then once you're there... Because the system, you know, there's there's budgets and there's not enough money to really send people to training unless they actually know you're going to, you know, you're, they think you're going to work out. So they always wait like a couple of weeks or a month or two before they actually send you to the academy. Wow. So you're basically shadowing because a lot of people, you know, I've seen it. They come in, officers are like hardcore. This is what they've always wanted to do, blah, blah, blah. And the first, you know, you know fight or you know if there's my gosh just you know sometimes people pass away or anything they just freeze and they're like i'm out Mm -mm, nope and they're done because they've never had to deal with that and so you know they kind of give you a grace period make sure this is really something that will work out and then they send you to the academy where you kind of learn everything i guess it makes sense that makes sense that way around um yeah because you don't want to waste you don't want to waste money on someone's not going to do it like i wouldn't I, there's no way I would do it. And the only way I know that is from hanging around Butner. Um, oh, gosh. And that was just, it was interesting. But I remember I, I walked with um, my supervising PA, um, little little woman. She was maybe 110 pounds. And she's like, here, let's <laughs> let's go over to the uh, the sick call area. And I was in the hospital. So there were two different areas. Oh, and yeah. um, so we went from the hospital to the main prison. And I, you know, we go through a few doors. And then all of a sudden I look around. I'm like, where in the main we we're in the main yard right now there's nobody it's just me and her and there's prisoners walking circles and these are federal prisoners i'm like holy shit how did this yeah. happen and then we walk it was just uh, yeah i i could never do it so i guess it makes sense some people it's just not gonna it's not gonna mesh with them i never in a million years thought this would be a field i would be into interested in i mean i'm naturally a people person i'm funny I, i'm outgoing you know i love to like make people smile and feel good like 
this was never something I envisioned being a, a path that I would have taken with my life. And now I don't even know what else I would ever do. It's yeah, so weird. You, you've, you did it for 10 years and then, uh-huh. and then now how long have you been in? Since the show, you've, you've done it again, right? Yeah, I'm, at, I'm actually at the jail I was undercover in. Um, 16 months now, so okay. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you are a corrections officer. You're approached by a casting team. Do you want to come on this show and pose as an inmate? I mean, that's you're completely switching roles. You're, you're. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what goes through your head? I mean, how do you go through this process of saying, you know, what what's the pro and con list of that? <laughs> well, the, you know, it's funny because when they approached me, I was like, "You're insane! Absolutely not! Never in a million years! Like that's dangerous!" And then if my mind started kind of thinking, well, you know, I know that they've done things like this before in the past, but those are specially trained officers, you know, that come in that go undercover. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just a regular officer. I won't, and I haven't even done it for a couple of years. You know, I've been on leave with the kids, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm the one for this. Mm-hmm. And they came back, and they're like, listen, the facility is having issues because the old sheriff that was there, he was allowing some of the staff to have sexual relations with the female inmates, and some of them are reporting that they were raped and all kinds of stuff. Like, they really sold me this whole women were in trouble, and, you know, you're a mom of little girls, and I was like... Hmm, I really don't know. And then all of a sudden, it was like perfect timing. My youngest came out because we were potty training. And she's like, Mom, I pooped on the floor. And I'm like, you know, how long am I going? Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and do this. Prison so I was poop, all excited. Right? <laughs> oh, gosh. And so, you know, and with the first two seasons, we didn't even know there was seasons. We didn't even know it was going to be a series. I didn't know anything. I just knew it was a show. And they said it was going to be a documentary. I thought it was like one hour on Netflix. You know, I had no idea. I didn't even know there was other undercover people. I had no idea, nothing. And so I thought I was the only person in the world that they were going to be doing this to. It was like, I don't know. It was just kind of a, well, hell, I might as well try it. So you you were completely in the dark throughout the entire process? I mean, I know without yeah. giving spoilers for people who haven't watched the show. If you haven't watched it, check it out. It's, it is fascinating. And you'll be, it's one of those ones you can binge watch. Uh, but, I mean, so... They were just like, we're going to do this, and they didn't give you, like, any classes or anything like that? To... They they literally, they, they really keep, you know, saying out there that they trained us and stuff, but no, it was, uh, I was taken to a hotel room. I didn't even know where the facility was until a week before I flew out, and it was like, okay, here's your cover story. You're going to be in for selling drugs. And I'm like, what? (laughs) And so, yeah. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I hated my cover story because I'm like, what kind of drugs? And they're like prescription drugs. I'm like, no, no, I don't know enough about prescription drugs. And these inmates will know everything. And they'll be like, what color, what size is it? Molly, is it this? Is it that? If you don't know it, they're going to know. I'm like, oh gosh, this is bad. And literally I got to the hotel room. They brought me in and there was another male there and they're like he's the male participant so then i knew there was at least me and him i didn't know there was anybody else it was just me and him okay and that's all we knew and who, they who was it it was ryan i don't remember oh wait he's uh he was an army right army medic or something mm-hmm. yeah okay i remember him now and and i remember they like sat us in this room for like an hour and the sheriff came in and uh Captain Scotty Maples came in and they talked with us a little bit. And the whole time I was too busy looking at Ryan because I'm looking at his stature, you know, and he's 
five foot five, 120 pounds. <laughs> and he, he has this vocabulary that is just so intense. And I'm like, oh, oh no, they're going to kill him. Yeah. Like, I was like, this is not good. What, what is, I, no, I don't like this. And they told us that we would be being, uh, we'd be taken into the jail in a few days. And then literally it was like, that night, they're like, no, you guys are going in the morning. Have fun. Wow. We're like, what? Wow. Yeah. Do you know what? I guess if you're going to go to prison, right, the people don't realize that when they wake up in the morning. They just find themselves there. But I guess in your situation, like if someone is in prison, they have nothing to hide from the other inmates. They're there. But you have something to hide. So I would assume it would take a little more a little more preparation. And it, and yours wasn't their first uh, ep- or season. Right. They had done this already. Right. And the thing is, but we didn't know that. And it's so funny because I remember being in the car, the the patrol car that they were going to take us to the jail in. And I was sitting there with Ryan in the car and everybody else, like the producers and all the camera crew were out talking. And I turned around because I was in the front seat. Ryan was in the back seat. I turned around. I said, Ryan, we need to get the hell out of this car like right now. And he's (laughs) like, why? I said, listen, get your spider sense on. These people do not seem like they're in a panic or in a state of hypervigilance. If this is the first time they've ever done this or if this is something so new and so chaotic, why are they just sitting there eating sandwiches and laughing? There's something going on. And so he's like, oh, crap. You know, maybe I have a parking ticket. I'm like, oh, God, what did I do in college? Did I sell a pill of ecstasy? What did I do? <laughs> are we being arrested for real? Like, is this that show where they try to get you to come on? They're actually really getting arrested. Like, so you're really thinking out. about this stuff. Yes, because wow. we're like, because I, I kept telling him, like, look around. Nobody seems to be nervous. It just seems so routine. And yeah. I'm like, this isn't right. When they when they set you guys up, was the, had the first season been on TV yet or were they? No. Okay. So no. you never even no. heard of this. No, the first season, they literally had just walked those uh, participants out about three weeks before we went in. Okay. So, I mean, they hadn't even, I mean, it was still being edited like we had no idea nothing and i didn't even know it was gonna be on a and e i had no idea yeah that was gonna be my second thing how do you prepare yourself for like what i was in a a documentary movie a couple oh gosh now 10 years ago it was part of my bike trip across the country and i I, you know i i was in the military i didn't really have any clue or know what it was like to have cameras follow me around or anything and i didn't really process it at all i just kind of let it happen and it kind of became natural after did, did you like what was that yes! like were you like hold on i'm a corrections officer and now i'm going to be on tv did you how did you process that well because the, i mean i had no idea it was going to be on a national television show i had no idea it was going to be a series i thought a little documentary yeah. and at the same time i took it so seriously because i was like if I'm going undercover and I'm supposed to be, you know, this woman who sells, you know, prescription pills and I'm from this town in Indiana I've never even heard of, I really need to pull this stuff together. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I worked part-time back when I worked at the prison. I worked part-time at Walmart for one Christmas season for extra money. I'm like, I know a little bit about working at Walmart. I'm going to say I worked at Walmart. I got that down. Okay. Yeah. I'll just go with that. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just look like ass the entire time. I'm going to do my hair completely screwed up because I'm like a hair snob. Like my hair, that's my big thing. I've got Southern girl hair. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to look like a crackhead. That's like my whole goal. So I started watching Orange is the New Black and I fell in love with that one girl, Crazy Eyes. I'm like, I'm going to be Crazy Eyes. (laughs) I'm going to be the white chubby version of Crazy Eyes. So I quit working out. I ate everything in the world. I was like, I look like ass i'm like this is perfect so i was like you know not thinking that 
I was going to be on this big, huge television show oh, looking like this. I didn't, I didn't even think of that aspect of it. I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that, that yeah, no. you're, you're, I mean, my wife likes to wear makeup. Okay. I get that. I get it. You know, yes. she, and now here you are, you're not even allowed makeup and you're in a highly stressed situation and your face is out there for the, for the whole world. To well, see. I mean, that, people forget, like I was 42 years old. I had three kids. I mean, I was supposed to be undercover. I didn't think that everybody was going to be, you know, worried about like how much I weighed or what my hair looked like. And it was like the hot topic. And I'm like, this is insanity. I, Cause I never even processed that. Wow, and I didn't I, even think of that. And I tell everybody, they're like, well, you knew you were on cameras. I mean, wouldn't you fix your hair and do this? I'm like, you don't understand. It was 60 days in this one gigantic box. You're in jail. And even though there's all these microphones hanging down and sometimes the camera crews would come in, it was so often that, like, if you were in your house and I tell you that clock has a hidden camera, you'd look at it for, like, the first day or two. But eventually you just – you literally forget. Yeah, you It was really weird. Do. I remember the the first day of our trip, you know, the cameras, I just kept looking at them. I'm like, this is crazy. And then – our our trip took well. Uh, our t- trip took sixty three days, very similar. And by like the third day, you didn't even care. You you weren't checking what you were saying. You were just you know the cameras just kind of melted in. And what was really good with our situation is that the director became one of us, right? He he would get on the bike yes. and ride, so he just became another person, right? And his camera was just an extension of him, so. Uh, it didn't really become an issue. Was that was that kind of the same thing? It really was. And the thing is, is like you were so close with, especially the camera crew, because they were the only person inside that unit when they came by that knew who you yeah. really were. Yeah. And so they looked at you like Sheree and not Sheree the pill head who's in jail like everybody else is looking at you. And you're like, oh, thank God. Oh, please. I'm so happy to see you. And you would just just yeah. burst and tell them everything and you forget that they're sitting there with a camera in your face and you're like, oh my gosh. Well, let's let's talk about that aspect of it. So, you know, as a corrections officer, everyone has a, um, most people, I would guess, because I am, are proud of who they are. You know, they're proud of yeah. their integrity. They're proud of, of, and then you're put in a situation where other people look at you as a criminal. How hard was that of a pill to that, swallow? That to, the, to, the, to this day is the worst feeling and it's so funny because there's a individual a lieutenant um smith who actually was the one when i got arrested fake arrested and went into the jail she's the one that booked me in okay. and she was the only person my entire time i was in there that looked at me like i was a person like she looked at me as if i was a human being and it meant so much to me and it just really hit my soul and i was like wow, just that one little act of kindness stood with me. And I'm not even really an inmate. And I I never forgot that. And it's so funny because she ended up being my boss. And so she was training me and booking one day. I'm like, you know, you are the one that actually booked me into this jail. And that feeling is so amazing that you gave me that like, you know, it really changed who I was instantly. But having people look at you and talk down to you, especially officers that you're like, you're a one-year rookie. I, I, I outrank you. Yeah. You know, you can't do this. Oh, my gosh. And the way they would talk down, oh, it was so horrible. I imagine, I imagine it's got to be difficult just for the fact that you're an officer and now an inmate. But as a, an officer, do you find, like, I, I can only imagine that there's a high burnout rate in that field because, because okay, let's say in general, right, in general – 
you got people who who made bad decisions, right? That happens. Yeah. Okay, that's why we have a criminal justice system. You pay your price, you you move on. But you also have the criminal mindset. These people that are trying to manipulate you around every corner, they're just just bad people. There's bad people in prison too. So so I guess what I'm asking for is is did you have like an empathy for the fact that that you know well, these these officers don't know who they were dealing with it all the time and well that was the one thing when i started at doc i used to have you know all this training and over and over again that you need to be hard you need to be firm if you are empathetic you will show weakness and you'll be manipulated and i never bought into that i never did i actually you know i grew close to a lot of inmates not in a way that's inappropriate but just sure. you know you you're with them every single day and you know, I always treated them with respect. If they gave it, then I gave it back. And I never had the problems the other officers did. And I used to always sit there and bring that up all the time in meetings. I'm like, be empathetic. In fact, they seem to kind of respect that. They're like, no, they take advantage of you. And then when I went undercover, the first thing I actually heard from an inmate was that officer right there, so-and-so, they're really nice. And they'll actually listen to you. Don't ever screw them over. Don't screw them over. That one, he is an, he's, he's an ass. Do whatever you can. Get anything you can for him. Get him fired. And I was like, so I am right. Yeah. Being, they actually do look out for the ones that actually care. That It's the weirdest thing. And it, I, I was like, I kind of validated how I was as an officer. And I'm like, see? Yeah. You know, it's just weird. Is it? Are you a rarity or do you find that a lot of people are like you as far as officers go? No, it's it's a rarity, and I think that the reason being is I still get the same treatment from other staff, especially higher-ups who have been doing it for so many years, because the training, the mentality is do not show kindness. Do not be empathetic. If you do, it's a sign of weakness, and if you are caught, you know, kind of just being more of, you know, just kind of like listening to inmates or something like that, then it's kind of puts you out in the center of attention of well, why do they like her so much? Is she trafficking drugs? Why do the inmates always respect her? Why does Officer Ray never have problems? Why do the inmates always, you know, put their trays up and say thank you, ma'am, to her, but then, you know, have a fight when another officer comes in? What is she doing wrong? So you're kind of always like, oh, you don't want to be under the radars if you're doing something bad. But at That's the same time, it's, it's, it works. That's a hard position to be in every day. It really is. It really is. And um, the mentality, too, unfortunately, in our field, which I'm so against, is when a new officer starts, and every unit I've ever been in the same way, the officers shun them because their mentality is don't let the new officer in because if you are tough on the new officer and they can handle it, then they can handle being around inmates. And I'm like, that is so ridiculous. If you're kind and you sit there and you take in that new officer and you actually make them feel united, then they're not vulnerable to inmates manipulation because they're going to start siding with inmates and start being friends with the inmates because the inmates are the ones being nice to them. It's just such a weird, I think that just the training so outdated. Wow. It really, it doesn't work in my opinion. So are you familiar with the, I think it's the Stanford prison experiments? Yes. So yes. Where they, they just took a psychology class, or maybe they were volunteers, I don't remember. But they said, okay, U12 are guards and U12 are inmates. And it, it was fascinating. They had to stop it because it, it became too intense, but people fell into the role. The prisoners fell yeah. into the role of prisoners and the guards fell into the role of like harsh, like really bad, 
uh, guards. Mm-hmm. When you did you find yourself falling into the role of a of a criminal at all? Absolutely, and it's so funny because I still have really close relationships with some of the girls that were inmates when I was in there, and I try to explain to people when you meet somebody in an environment like that as an inmate, you have nothing. You have nothing to impress them with. You are just you, and so the relationships that you have with these people are so intense and it's, you know, you always hear that inmates call each other family. No, it really is family and you start uniting and no matter what, even if you hate the person next to you, it's kind of like being in the military. You might hate this off, you know, this soldier next to you more than anything in the world. But when you go and you're in war, he is, you will lay down, protect him. He is your best friend. You love him, your brother, no matter what. And that's how it was with the inmates. You could hate each other in that pod all day long. But when the officers came in, it was you against the officers. And you just, you had this crazy bond. And it's just, it's so intense. Like some of these girls would do anything for you. Like things that even your own parents wouldn't do. Like they're like, I'll kill somebody for you. You're like, oh my gosh, would you really? And I'm like, oh, you're serious. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, I mean, because they just that strong bond. A lot of them don't have any family on the outside. So they connect and it's, you become a part of it. You're like, you know, I was missing my children so badly. And there was three girls in there who literally became my children. Like I literally started treating them like a mom because they didn't have a mom. I was missing my kids. So I would tuck them in at night. They would come ask me how to do things. Like I started mothering them because I was replacing. And so you just become the role of what you're in. It's, it's really odd. Hmm. Yeah. I, guess, <laughs> I don't, I guess it makes sense. It, it, Cause you're, uh, I don't, I, I think it was, I, I don't remember where I read this, but someone said that, let's say you get put into prison for life. Okay. And now, yeah. and now on the outside where we, you know, I don't, I don't worry about that ever happening to me, but, but the idea is what happens is your world just shrinks instead of, instead of, you know, going to work and going to the store or going to birthday parties, your world just shrinks to the prison and your life goes on and your, your mind adapts to that. Um, is there any truth to that? I always tell people the weirdest thing is even though we only did two months, it is literally like your life stops the moment you walk in that building and it just pauses. But the thing is, everybody else's life who is free and on the outside, it continues. And then all of a sudden you get released and you're still back at where you were when you first went in, in that mindset. Mm-hmm. And you're looking around, you're like, oh my gosh, life has gone on without me. Yeah, I'm really not that important. And it's like, it's <laughs> very hard to be like, oh my gosh, my kids survived. My husband survived. The house is fine. Everybody's fed and alive. What is my purpose? Do I even matter? You're like, it's really weird. It's similar to a deployment. When I would deploy, exactly. kind of like, I remember I was in a... um I was in the airport and all the uh, airmen and soldiers were on one side. It was right near Christmas. And I was watching families traveling for the holidays on the other side. And it it was the weirdest. I don't know what the term is for that. uh, Juxtaposition, I think, is the the fancy word for it. But being being 
in the airport, but we were already in our minds in Iraq. We were already soldiers yes. in a foreign country, and yet they were 50 yards from us, and their lives were going on. They were going to Christmas. They were opening presents, and we had this complete other thing that was happening. You know, we were hoping that yeah. no one would get killed, or we were hoping—I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a strange position to be in. It sounds very familiar to that. Well, and, and it's weird because, like, I remember calling home, and Dustin would want to tell me about, you know, the kids and this and that. And I feel bad, but honestly, I would just be like, okay, really what I'm calling for is I need $10 on my books because I need shampoo and I need <laughs> to buy food for the week. Like, it, you just become robotic and you definitely don't want to even connect with the outside world because it makes you miss the outside world. So then you become where you just disconnect. And I remember the same thing when Dustin came home from Afghanistan. He was so upset for like a month. And I'm like, what? He's like, I don't have any closet space. I don't even know where the forks are. You've moved around everything in the last year. I'm like, oh. And I realized that I had slowly taken over his side of the bedroom and his closet space. And yeah. so, you know, and he's like trying to come in and he's like trying to get the kids to do things like sit at the table. I'm like, we didn't sit at the table when you're gone. I, you know, I survived with the little kids. You know, we didn't sit at the table. That's just all there was to. And so it was just this adjustment period. And it just it was so crazy. Was it a, uh, did he have a 15 month? Deployment. You know what? It was a 15 month, but what was crazy is they actually got, um, they had to actually take a plane in Kandahar and something happened and there was actually a couple of bombings. And so they sent them back and they got delayed by another three months. Oh. And I'm like that. And I was like, that's not possible. Your title 10 orders say you will be back by this date. And the military is like, eh. I'm like, no, you said. Yeah. I was like, oh gosh. I don't miss deploying at all. It's it's but the the only thing I I the only no, there's a lot obviously we got we got from it, but there the feeling and I and I wonder if this is the feeling that you got. I, I always tell my wife the only reason why I want anyone to ever deploy is to know what it feels like to come home. That feeling of getting off the plane in North Carolina and the green of the trees and just just being home is unmatched. I mean, it, if I could say the top things in my life, you know, getting married, having my children, coming home, those are my my top three easily. Oh my gosh. It's so funny you say that because Ashley, who is actually Zach's wife, was my bunkie. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And and we became extremely close and we are, you know, the dearest of friends still. And we were just talking about this yesterday. She sent me the video clip of when me and her got released from the jail. And of course, you know, they edited this soft music and it's starting to snow and we're like spinning. And she had, the cameras didn't pick it up. But what she had said was, oh my God, I just feel so in love at this moment. I just want to kiss somebody. And I, I grabbed her and I kissed her on the lips. Oh, really? <laughs> I was a total jail chick. Did that make it? Did that make it on the show? I don't remember that. Yes. Oh, yes. it did. Have to... Oh, gotcha. That's funny. And so they play this really soft romantic music. It's ridiculous, and uh, <laughs> it's so funny because I told her I said, you know, it's crazy. As I watch that, I can feel the temperature on my skin. I can, I can actually smell the scent of the air. I could. Everything was so intense and I can't even describe to people you know like just the feeling of air and just the feeling of I'm getting in a car and then being able to choose what I want to eat and take a hot shower like everything was so intense and so amazing but at the same time almost overstimulating because it was just like whoa 
whoa. And then I just, from that moment on, you know, flying home. And so I'm sure it's the same thing when you were flying back from, you know, war back here, you know, that flight took forever. It seemed like it took months to get home. Like, and, you know, I just wanted to see my kids and it just seemed like it took forever. And it was like the most amazing feeling seeing my children and seeing my husband. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I didn't have kids at the time. I can't imagine being separate. Like that would put on a completely different dynamic if I had to deploy with kids at home. I I don't I mean, obviously I would have to do it if I did it, but I mean, I don't I don't know how I would. Um cuz I mean, I was a 20 I don't even know, 25, 26, 27, something like that when I when I deployed. Uh I didn't have kids. I did, I don't even think I was married. I got married after I got back from my last deployment. So, I I can't imagine. I just you know uh, it, it's got to be just horrible it was the scariest thing i've ever been through like cuz my kids were one and two when he deployed they turned two and three when he was gone and it was like trying to explain to a two and three year old where daddy is when they would cry for him and so i always told them daddy is out he is fighting dragons and one of the dragons has the key to disney world so when he kills it he'll get the key and we'll go to disney world so they were like okay so they you know and i explained to them say you know dragons sometimes you know they have fire breath they might hurt you know daddy might come back looking different he might be missing the things because he was in you know uh combat engineer that the the mos they put him in oh my gosh Mm -hmm. and the reality is a lot of the guys came back without legs and i know that's horrific but that's just the reality and you know i'm sitting here trying to figure out like what if he doesn't come with legs what if he comes back and i'm like you know there's so much and you're trying to prepare yourself and it was it was such a horrific thing you know not knowing and you know and everybody expects you to be so perfect but i don't care what relationship how strong your relationship is any time away from each other especially when one's in a really high hyper vigilant state you know like war you know you know safety issues concerns you know coming back in and trying to be like oh hi you've been gone for a year come in i love you you know it's like strangers it's weird yeah falling back they say that's the hardest thing is falling back into your roles because because you realize and again i didn't have to deal with this because i was single but you realize that wait everything's gone on without me and now i have to kind of figure out where my role is again you know i was really lucky because one of the guys that was really good friends with my husband um he had been deployed a few times in iraq and this was dustin's first afghanistan deployment and he told him you know he's like listen when you come back just because she's your wife and she's been your wife for 10, 15 years, you got to date her. Don't be, be like, hey, I've been gone for a year. Hey, what's up? <laughs> she doesn't know you. It's been a year and some change. Give yeah. her some time. Date her. Don't put all this pressure on. You know, we have to be intimate and be in love and everything. You guys, you know, you literally maybe once a week get a phone call that's logged, you know, like echoes and you know you have to give it time and you have to let the other person kind of find themselves and reintegrate which was i'm so lucky because i'm probably one of the very few people from all the seasons that have still married you know and if you notice the people that are married that haven't divorced since doing the show are the ones that are military i know that sounds crazy but think about it all of us military couples we have stayed together because we understand deployment kind of trained us for this we understand give the person space. They've just been through something. Don't expect too much where yeah. I don't think if you have that and like these people come in and do this show and go to jail and come back and all of a sudden we're supposed to, you know, fit right back into this happy marriage and happy. We're all together. No, this is traumatic. Something crazy just happened. You know, give them a space, kind of let them, 
you know, find their way. So I, I'm, I'm lucky about that, I guess. Did you, so while you're, while you were in the, uh, the role of, of an inmate, did you ever have any reservations about being dishonest to the COs and to the, I mean, I guess you could call it dishonest. I mean, you're playing a role just as an undercover person would be, but you're also telling lies. Um, yeah. What was, did you have any issues with that or did you just, I did. That is one of the things I struggled with. And, you know, when, you know, we got out, we were like, Oh my gosh. And for me, I was under so much stress because I felt so bad because I became so close with these girls in there. And I'm like, I love them. I want to see them do better. And some of the, you know, things in that unit, it wasn't up to par and it was, it was inhumane. And I'm like, I, somebody needs to stand up for them. And, you know, I promised these girls that we would be friends no matter what, that I would be there, that I love them. And I meant it. And I couldn't, I couldn't fix that. And I felt so wrong. And I remember, you know, reaching out to the sheriff. I'm like, I don't feel right about this. Like, it's really bothering me. And I ended up losing, um, we had a girl, I lost her. Um, and, uh, it really, it was a hard time for me. And the sheriff was like, do you want to come back? And I'm like, I need to, I'm not done. Like, I can't walk in there and tell you, Hey, this is what I've seen and not do something about it. And these girls, I love them and I want to be able to tell them, you know, one day, hey, this is, I meant it. I'm just, I couldn't tell you, hey, I'm an undercover, da da. And so he's like, it's pretty scary. I don't know about having you come back, you know, because you're technically a plant and you're going to come back and be an officer with the same girls. I'm like, I have to because I love them. They'll understand because I'm still me. How do they, like, how do they take it when all of a sudden you show up in a uniform? Oh my gosh. It was so crazy because I was so scared. I can't even tell you because staff already hated me (laughs) because a lot of staff I went after and I did. And so then all of a sudden, you know, I come in and a couple, you know, of course, almost every single girl that I was in there with was still there, you know, back and forth. And, you know, a couple of them were like, what's up, rat, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, how could you do that? You were rat. And I turned around and I remember I looked at one of them. I said, and I'm back because I promised you I loved you. And they're like, F you. I'm like, okay. And it took a while for some of them. And eventually they're like, Ray, you really came back? You you could have done like, you, you could have been famous and done TV stuff, but you really came back? You came here? I'm like, yes, because I love you. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to find a way to keep you out of here one day. And it, it really connected with them. And eventually it started being where it made to be like, don't mess with Miss Ray. She understands. Miss Ray, we need pads. Miss Ray gets it. Miss Ray, you were an inmate. You know what it's like. They would come to me. Hmm. And then it was like, it was really strange because a few of them, from the moment they see me, were like, I love you. Oh, my God. And they had they didn't care because they were so so impressed that I was willing to go undercover to show what they go through, to put that out and let America see it. Like they were so thankful for that. And they were so impressed that I came back and it was really crazy because I actually became one of the most liked guards. Like the inmates protected me. They still protect me. Like I, I don't have the issue. A lot of the other officers do. Like I have a really deep connection and the inmates respect me. And it's kind of weird. It's kind of like the complete opposite of what I expected to happen. 
Do they uh, uh, do they have A and E on TV there? <laughs> or you know, they don't. But the thing is, a lot of them go off to prison and then come back. Like they go to jail, then go to prison, and then they'll have like another you know Incident, conviction yeah. they got to finish up real quick. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, "Oh my god, I saw you!" Or you know, they would tell people, you know, "Oh my god, I was out," you know, and then they get rearrested and be like, "Ray, I saw you on there," blah blah blah. And it was it was crazy. Or you would get people that would come in and. I'm not joking. I've had people come in who literally told the officer, I just want to see Sharif. She really works here. So I got arrested. You're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? And it's just, it's nuts. And it, I, I'm just, I'm really lucky because the whole experience and everything I've learned, like, you know, I'm one of those few people in the world, like, I don't know anybody else who's done this. I don't know any other person in the world who went undercover in a facility and turn right around and became an officer in the same facility with the same people she was an inmate with. Like, yeah, I don't think that's ever happened. It could, it couldn't have. It's you know, because there's how many I, situations like this have, have ever happened. I don't. But you know what's so crazy is the staff. It's so funny. The staff. It, they're kind of it's a smaller town, and staff. Everybody knows each other and knows each other's parents and grandparents. You know, it's one of those type of towns. And you know, coming in, I definitely was not very welcomed. And the sheriff was like, do you want me to say something? I'm like, no, you need to just disconnect from me because I have to do this without you or I'll just be, you know, the golden child. Like, we're done. You're, you're my boss and that's it from this point on. And that's how it's been. And, you know, going in, staff, they weren't welcoming to me. They were pretty hard on me. They, they, I definitely got bullied pretty bad. But what happened was because of the behavior towards me, the inmates, they picked up on it right away. And the inmates were like, damn, they're harder on you than they are us. So because staff was always trying to catch me doing something wrong to be like, oh, look, this Miss Goody Tissue undercover girl, perfect you know, TV star. They were always trying to catch me doing something wrong or something bad. So they were always following me. So guess what? Inmates never asked me for anything. They never asked me to do anything bad. They never tried to get me set up because they're like, damn, <laughs> everybody's always following Miss Ray. Miss Ray's got a rough than we do. And then it made me connect with the inmates even closer because the inmates would be like, damn, girl, don't do that. But they were protecting me because they were still, hmm. you know, the staff still see me as an inmate and the inmates still see me as an inmate. And what's crazy is I have detectives from all different units still come to me because a lot of the inmates still talk to me as if I'm an inmate. They forget I'm a- I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now I know what's going on. And, you know, they'll tell me, hey, this person, that person, don't do this. And so... I've had an amazing experience. (laughs) Unfortunately, staff trying to, you know, interfere with and try to make it where I was, wouldn't succeed actually helped me succeed. And it's crazy. It's, but you know, the staff that I work with one-on-one, we're very close. They're, they're like my family, but then, you know, there's, unfortunately, there's always going to be the other people in, you know, the facility that are, they're always going to see me as that undercover inmate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm never, I'm, I'm always, I'm never going to be promoted. I'm never going to be looked at as in a good way, you know, and it just is what it is, but it doesn't stop. I'm, I'm not done. What's, what's your future? I mean, are you, are you sticking with law enforcement? Is there anything like oh. are you writing a book? <laughs> are you working on anything with A&E or is, are you just kind of living the oh, quiet I, life? I, well, I did. I did a web series with A and E about when I returned to the jail, and so it's called Inmate to Officer, and it's on A um, and E's website. And uh, it's like ten or twelve little episodes where they follow me around. And so I, I do some things here and there, like I did a watch along with A and E, and I've been working on a book, um, oh, kind of just telling about my life, about 
before, during, and after, but I've never written a book. And so trying to figure that out, details of like publishing and all that stuff, that's been a bit of a challenge, but I, I'm getting there. But my big thing right now is because I've learned so much and I have all this information, but at the same time, I'm never going to advance in this unit I'm at because I'm always going to have this thorn on my side with some of the, you know, admin and I'm, that's expected. But at the same time, I'm like, I can do better. I can fix things. And I'm not done. And so I've kind of been looking into, this so sounds crazy, but I'm really thinking about running for county commissioner one of these one of these terms because I want to be able to be heard. And even if I don't get it, the fact that it would be such a big thing would be like, oh, my gosh, that girl actually moved out here because she was undercover in that jail. And then she went to work in that jail. And now she wants to be county commissioner to be in charge of that jail. I'm yeah. like, yeah. That's really kind of where I'm at. I might, I probably won't get it, but at the same time, to make people listen, that's all I care about. I just want people to listen because I have so much to tell. There's so much that I learned. It doesn't make me like I don't think I'm better than anybody. I just, I was given an opportunity nobody else has had, and I took it. And I can tell you things that I had no idea. I've learned so much, and I just want to share it with people. It's crazy. It's definitely a unique experience. Um, The story is fascinating. I think you should definitely write the book. Yeah. Any where where can folks follow you? Uh, what's your Twitter handle? Um, or website I, every, or whatever. Every, yeah, everything on um, social media is I'm the real Cherie S H E R I, and it's on Twitter, Facebook. For some reason, I have like forty thousand some followers on Snapchat because people just I'm insane. I know this, but I think they get a kick out of you know me going to work and like usually I'm in the car, you know, inside the parking lot being like, Oh crap, look at it. And I'll like take pictures of the jail or, you know, my uniform and kind of like make fun. And a lot of times the inmates that they've seen on the show, you know, I volunteer at the youth shelter and a lot of their children are there. or Some of them, hell, they're so young, they're still there. And so you see a lot of familiar faces. And so I think people like kind of like following through and getting to see what, you know, what's going on. Because it's like a never-ending story. Like, you fell along with the show, you got used to it, and now you don't have to just disconnect. You get to really see what's going on, what changes, what what are we doing. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool. But, yeah, anybody can follow along. Like, I literally, I have the best fans. Like, I feel weird saying that, fans. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a CEO that goes to Walmart on, you know, my nights off, my stretch pants. But, you know, I have, like, such amazing followers, and I've really – I'm close with all of them. So I, people come along, even the haters. I'm good with it. <laughs> yeah. I've had them. Oh once, my. once you get in anything public, you just have to take that. I mean, that's just part of it. Well, you know what though? I have to tell you this one thing though. This is really the most shocking thing about being on television when you've never been on television is I don't, you know, I don't like to say race or gender and get into all that, but it really is very one-sided because especially being a white female, it was like so much emphasis on my weight. She's a size 16. I'm 40 years old with three kids. I mean, commissary, what'd you think I was going to be? I'm sorry. (laughs) But yet, you know, we had other females and participants on the show who are, you know, African-American or have different nationalities and they could be twice the size. And it was like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) Or like the men, nobody ever said anything about the men being big. They're like, oh, they're men. But the women, like, they want you to be perfect even when you're in jail. I'm like, oh, hell no. Yeah. I'm living this Cheeto life. <laughs> that must have been – that would be hard, I could imagine, especially oh, in today's day God. and age. Uh, 
Oh my! Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, it was so nice talking with yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. If it wasn't for folks like you that that share their stories, I mean, this little you know podcast wouldn't do as well as it does. So I appreciate you need, it. You need to get a hold of John. If uh, he is my best friend, and he is on season three, he is hysterical, and you would love him. And he's, of course, military as well, but he's amazing. John, which one was he? Let me. Th- oh, the guy he's with the, the long that- hair, right? No, no, oh. no. He that was season four, but season three, he's the one that he became really good friends with this kind of hyperactive little black kid, Deshaun, and. He's the one they call him the Cookie Monster because he crushed up somebody's cookies one right, day. He's like, "This right. one, think of your cookies." He is so funny. Oh my gosh! Yeah, hey, yeah. If you can I get me in touch him. with him, that's how. Oh. That's another way I reached yes. guests is just through people's yes. contacts. You would love him. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I will definitely do it. All right. I'll, All right, I'll, I'll let you know when this goes up. Should be. Uh, I'm doing a lot of interviews over the last couple of weeks because I want to take a few weeks off the summer. So. Um, I'm not sure when this will be up. I I imagine anywhere between next four weeks to eight weeks. Whenever it comes up, I'll just shoot you a text or a um, a Twitter. I'll tweet and let you know that it's going to be up. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Sheree. All right. Bye. Bye. Like us on Facebook.com slash WWI podcast and at WWI Podcast on Twitter. Drop us a line at waitswhatispodcast at yahoo.com. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn Internet Radio. your listening experience. Now go forth and expand your reality.